Let me ask you a series of questions. I'm going to ask you three questions. I don't want you to give me the churchy answer. You know, I know you're at church, and uh, so there's always this, uh, do I give the real answer or the church answer? Just give me the real answer. Um, all right, so if you've ever rented a car, you know there are options. You can, you can rent the very um, luxury automobile. You can rent kind of a mid-size, sort of a medium. You can rent economy, and then you can go below economy uh, to basically it's a tic-tac box with wheels. So you got, you know, options, right? So let's say, for argument's sake, you uh, chose tic-tac box. You get to the counter where the nice lady says to you, uh, we can upgrade you to a Cadillac Escalade for free. Tic-tac box, Cadillac Escalade. You get to choose. So, if you had that choice, which one would you choose? Okay, good. All right. So, let's say, let's say question number two. You go to your favorite fast food restaurant. And on this particular day, this one day, only one day, they're serving steak and lobster. So you can get a Big Mac, or you can get McLobster. You, you get to choose. Now, just as a qualifier, it's not like McRibs, which really aren't ribs. They're just something that they press to look like a rib, like in a mold someplace. All right, so not like that. Actually... You can get McSteak and McLobster for the same price as a Big Mac. So which do you choose? Big Mac. Okay, you're right. Okay, that's the wrong answer. Okay. All right, all right. One more, one more. Uh, you're at the airport. Um, you're about to get on the airplane. You've bought economy because that's who you are. It's all good. I've never flown anything but economy. However, for this one, they, they look... And they say, do you go to Freedom Fellowship? And you say, yes, I do. I do. And they say, well, then we have one seat in first class that we'd like to give you for free. Same price. You don't have to upgrade. You don't have to pay anything. You get to go to first class. Would you take that? All right. Here's the deal. We have this insatiable drive, this pull, where we always want to be going up and to the right. You know what this is. This is a, this is a chart, and every business wants to go up and to the right. Because if you go down and to the right, that means your business is tanking. So this could represent not just our work. This could represent our, our health. This could represent our spiritual lives. But we have this draw innately to go up and to the right because... Most of us, we're Americans. We want to be successful. We want to you know, show some signs of success. And the way you do that, for most people, the indicator is, I'm going up to the right. The problem is, the, the Bible warns against this constant drive to go up and to the right. Jesus put it this way. He said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Too many people get in their minds that the more stuff I have, the more quality of life I have. The more quantity, the more quality. It's not necessarily the case. There's a guy named Paul. Paul wrote about this too. He said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their own money, which is so unreliable. By the way, um, 
they're talking about, you know, Bitcoin is this new thing and it's like electronic money and people that have bought it cheap and now, you know, billionaires and that sort of thing. And I read a headline this morning. There's a, um, there might be a bubble, you know, the Bitcoin bubble, they're calling it. And so if you own Bitcoin, they're kind of warning you to get out, which is going to cause a bubble. And, uh, and so you might be a billionaire today. And tomorrow, if that thing explodes, then you, you could be a pauper in a matter of, of, of minutes, literally. And so he's talking about this. It's unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And so the Bible warns us that going up and to the right isn't always what you're looking for. It's not always the best. It's not always what you want. We can become addicted to power. We can become addicted to achievement. And here's the problem. The reason the warnings are in Scripture is if we get to a place where we feel like we've arrived, we've accomplished something, there's there's a chance that we stop depending on God, or we stop looking to God, or we start thinking that we did it on our own. We kind of become arrogant or ungrateful. And that's why Jesus said this. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? And here's the formula that we have to understand. My soul is always more important than my stuff. My soul is the most important thing about me. And Jesus said, hey, hey, beware. Watch out. If you're constantly driven to go up and to the right, there's danger involved. So Jesus warns us about these things. And it's counterintuitive as it is. Sometimes God teaches us when we're going down and to the right. There are certain times where demotions happen, and in the process of the demotion, we learn something. Today, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. It talks about the greatest demotion of all time. Now, here's what Jesus knew. He modeled addition by demotion. He didn't always have to go up and to the right. So let's read these verses. There are a couple of slides here, and, and then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. We'll talk about the demotions that Jesus took, and then we'll talk about why, and then we'll talk about, hey, maybe that's for us too. So about Jesus, Paul, who was a great follower of Jesus, writes, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, He made himself nothing. You could read into there. He took a series of demotions. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He demoted himself. He went down and to the right. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. There's these series of demotions. We're going to talk about them. The first emotion that we're going to talk about is Jesus came from heaven to earth. We sing that song, He came from heaven to earth to show the way. You know the song. And we like earth because all we've ever known is earth. We, we like it. I mean, the snow yesterday was amazing. Somebody asked me about, you know, do you like the snow? I like the snow here better than I like the snow in Michigan. Because the Michigan snow is like a relative who never leaves. They show up, and they're there for a while. I mean, they, they are going to hang out for a while, and you have to blow them away. And it's, So, yeah, that snow yesterday. I mean, we look at earth, and we think, oh, it is amazing. Well, it's amazing, but compared to heaven, eh, 
Um, Not so much. One time I had an opportunity to go to Tanzania. Beautiful country. It is a beautiful country. But it is poor, poor, poor. And there's not much infrastructure and people live in mud huts. I mean, the things you think about are the things that actually happen. And we went to Tanzania and we had flown, I think, about 20 hours. And we got to uh, our city, the the city we were going to stay in. And they drive us to this complex that's surrounded by barbed wire. And I mean, it's like... I don't, I don't know where I am. I mean, it, you, it's funny. When you're 20 hours of flying and is over and you're just ready to get to sleep, and we went to sleep, but they made us cover our beds with um, mosquito nets because evidently there are mosquitoes there, and they'll give you malaria or yellow fever. And from what I understand, neither one of those things are very good. And then they, if you wanted to brush your teeth, you had to use bottled water. And if you wanted to drink water, you had to use bottled water because from the water, you can get typhoid or malaria. And I don't think those things are very good. And then the toilets were outhouses, and most of the time there, weren't even, there wasn't even a place to sit. There was just a hole in the ground, and there's no TP. And that was a little different than what I'm used to. And, and, and then one time I go to lunch. Now, I had the... <laughs> Cliff, my friend's here. Cliff, we had a pastor's conference. So I prepare for a pastor's conference. So... I do my first session at the pastor's conference. These guys are so attentive. They're so, they just so gracious. And uh, I said, okay, let me open this up to any questions you might have. The first question I got was, if one of your deacons has more than one wife, can he still be a deacon? I've never ever dealt with that. Have you ever dealt with that? That's not one we get very often. The second question was, if a pastor's kids are running wild, do they still get to be a pastor? Again, that's not one to, so it was a whole different culture. I had to adjust. Anyway, after our first conference and after the first series of questions, which I had no answers for, um, we had lunch. Now, I hung out, talked to some people. It was great, except uh, it was time for lunch, and, and I was last in line, and I went through, and lunch consisted of a mound, and by a mound, I mean a mound of rice, with some goat meat sauce that they put on top. Um, so there's some chunks of goat meat, uh, goat meat bone, you know, uh, some of that kind of thing, on top of my mound of rice. So I get to the end, uh, I've been served, and again, super gracious, and I said, well, I don't have a utensil to eat this with. And he looks around, he's like, wait just a minute. So he goes in where everybody else is eating. You all know where this is going? And he comes out with a spoon. (laughs) I'm fairly certain that's just been used. Fairly certain. Now, he was very kind. He went over to the water that I'm not supposed to use. (laughs) And he soaps it up. Great. And he wipes it off on his shirt. And he hands it to me. And I used it because, you know, you're, you're a guest. And they were great to me. They were so gracious, and they gave me their best. The point is, their best and our best is just difference. And when we think of heaven, and I don't know that we think about it all the time, because all we've ever known is earth. And and so the Bible tells us about Jesus. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in heaven, in the realms of heaven, and on 
earth. What we need to know is because we've only known earth, we probably haven't thought much about heaven. And this amazing demotion that Jesus experienced by coming from heaven to earth, he, He created the heavens and the earth. At this at this time in Tanzania, I went to their church on a Sunday. I had the opportunity to preach. It, it was so sweet. And they, I got to sit in the seat of prominence at their church. And, and the church was literally built on a rock. The floor was a rock. And the children were in the services because that's what they did. And some of them had wet diapers. I don't think they used diapers because it, it was on the floor and you had that smell. And they did 30 songs, about 30 songs. I stopped counting after a while. Uh, They had the worst PA system in the history of PA systems. It was something you buy at a radio shack that you you build yourself, one of those deals. And so everything was distorted and loud. And man, the louder the better. And they had a a drum machine. So every song was like... And uh, and it it was their very, very best. Again, their best and our best is different. And here, here's Jesus, and, and all he's ever known, because he created heaven and earth, as we saw in Colossians, because he did this, he wakes up. Now again, all he's ever known is heaven, but he wakes up, and he's in a, he's in a stable. You go from heaven to a stable, that is quite the demotion. And you go from the smells of heaven, and who knows what they are, but I suspect it smells like my house when my wife bakes bread. Because that, oh my word. Have you ever been in a house where they're baking bread or chocolate chip cookies or turkey? Oh, can I get a witness? I mean, that is good stuff right there. So heaven, I'm sure, has these heavenly smells. I'm pretty sure it doesn't smell like manure. And Jesus goes into a stable and all he sees... are animals. I mean, heaven, that talks about heaven and there are there's this group of angels, and their job, their one and only job is to sing praises to our Lord. (laughs) And so they're singing all the time, and He comes into this world, and He's in a stable, and He has smells of manure, and He has people um, not loving Him, and He has goats bleeding, and cows mooing, and chickens clucking. And in heaven, He has this perfect pattern of relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's all He's ever known. And now He comes to earth and He's alone. And He goes from ultimate power. I mean, if you think about this verse, it says that God created all things through Jesus. He has, the the word we use in in theology is He's omnipotence. He's all-powerful. And He goes from being omnipotent to omni-impotent. Because now he can't even change his own diaper. He is dependent on somebody. He goes from completely independent to completely dependent. Heaven to earth is quite the demotion. He depends on somebody now to change his diaper and to feed him because if they don't, it doesn't get done. And the second demotion, he puts on flesh. Now all we've known is this body of ours. The older I get, the the more troublesome that is. Jesus had never felt before He came to earth what it feels like to be tired. Jesus didn't know what it felt like to be lonely. He didn't know what it felt like to be hungry. He didn't know what it felt like to go to the mall and get elbowed. He didn't know these things. He didn't know what it felt like to drive a car and have somebody flip Him off. He just didn't know that. And 
I don't know about you, as I get older, and some of you are younger, you don't feel this yet, but you will. When, when you get older, you get a little jealous of people who are younger. Miriam and I, on our 25th anniversary, went to uh, an island called uh, St. Kitts. We saved up for about three years to have enough money to go to this island. And it is a volcanic island. And, and one of the things we, we did was we hiked the volcano, which is super cool. And we get there about the same time that this, these guys get out of this, this car, uh, two cars, they had two cars. And there were about four of them, and, and they were smoking cigarettes, you know. <laughs> they're, they're kicking back some brewskis. And, and so the whole time I'm thinking, I'm gonna, I mean, they're, they're, tw- they're 30 years old, and it's like, I'm, they, they probably, they'll probably go about 100 yards and get tired, you know. And so uh, we head out on our hike, and we're just hiking, and I'm just thinking, we're going to smoke these cats. Well, about two minutes later, they kind of they go by us in something one, one might call a jog, okay? Uh, the guy has a cigarette in his mouth and passes me while I'm hiking. That's just not right. There's something wrong about that. We get to the top. Now, at the top, you can climb a rope down into the crater. You want to know who didn't do that? Me. Uh, if it requires a rope to get into it, guess what it's going to require to get out of it? A rope. Now, I could get down. You know, there's something called gravity. I'm good with gravity. Gravity would help me get down the rope. It's getting back up the rope that I might have had trouble with. So we decided, because we lived long enough to know better, we didn't go in the hole. By the way, we chose, because we're cheap, not to have a, um, a guide. <laughs> uh, that wasn't smart either. Okay, anyway... So we get to the top, we look over into the crater, all those people, by the way, they were, they were uh, Canadians and they were in the military. So they were like in the military of the Ca- Canadians, they were sort of like um, Green Berets. I mean, it's kind of like they were the elite people of the Canadian military, whatever they're called, you know, the, the maple leaves. I, I don't know where they are. Anyway, um, When that we, that you call them a leaf. I don't know. That's what I would call them. They were, they were kind of leafy. So they, they're down in there, and, and I can hear them yucking it up. <laughs> and uh, Miriam and I, we're just, we're just thankful to be alive. You know, we got to the top. We, we've conquered the mountain, so we're climbing down. As we're climbing down, I'm thinking to myself, well, we'll beat them down the mountain. Yeah, not so much. Okay, so, so we start, and they're still in the hole. We start down the mountain, they're in the crater. We go about a mile and they pass us going down. Again, sort of skipping with cigarettes in their mouth. And so there, now there are three of them. And I said to them, well, where's the other one? They were very nice, by the way. Oh, he decided to go off trail. He saw some cliffs over there he wanted to go down. Who does that? I mean, seriously. What, what level of insanity do you have to have to want to do that. Now, I, I tell you this story to tell you this. That's not fair. Here I am. I take care of my body. I eat fish at Long John Silver's. Uh, I do the things I'm supposed to do. I walk to the car. Uh, so uh, there's stuff I do. And yet these people are obviously abusing their bodies, and yet they, here they are, they, they, they're able to do things. And, and, and I say this, it, to, to, have a, to, to be 
Jesus, to never have experienced the things that we experience in these bodies of ours because we have aches and pains. And, and when He was crucified, He certainly felt the sting of the whip. And He understood what it was like to be spit upon. And He understood what it was like to have a rod uh, strike His back. And He had people punching Him in the face. He understood these things. It was quite the demotion. Another demotion, maybe the third one here, He became a servant. He became a teacher. He, if you, teaching is difficult. It, it is a difficult thing. Ask any teacher in here, they'll tell you it's a difficult thing. Especially when your students <laughs> cross their arms and look at you like, I don't want to change, I don't want to learn this, I don't want to know this. And Jesus came with a message that wasn't exactly what many people wanted to hear. When Jesus said, Jesus is incredibly exclusive. When He said, I am the way the truth, and the life, he was saying, there is some exclusivity here. I'm your path to God. So it's a pretty big deal to be to say, this is exclusive. Because Jesus entered a culture where there were lots of ways, or at least people thought there were lots of paths to get to God. And the Jewish people said, hey, we have the path to God. And Jesus said, no, I am the path to God. And he comes from heaven where it's worship, people worship him, to earth where people say, you don't know what you're talking about. In fact, a couple of times they accused him of being possessed by a demon. There were people who didn't listen to his message. There were people who didn't appreciate his message. There were people who were violently opposed to his message. I mean... He created these people who now don't appreciate the fact that He has a message they don't understand, don't like, and don't agree with. It's quite a demotion. A fourth demotion. He submitted Himself to death on a cross. It's one thing to die peacefully at home in your bed, surrounded by your family and friends. It's something else altogether to be crucified a criminal on a cross. And I'm not sure we have any notion of the concept of going from, from heaven to Calvary. I, I mean, perhaps that's the ultimate in demotions. The, the truth of the matter is this. There's never been anyone who has willingly signed up for more demotions than Jesus. In fact, it would be impossible for them to sign up for more. How can, you be, how can a God become man and the limits of becoming a man. And Jesus limited Himself by becoming a man. And nobody has ever done it before, and nobody will ever do it again. It is the greatest emotion in the history of the world. Of the worlds. Now, He was honored for it. Back to Philippians. Therefore God elevated Him to the place of highest honor and gave Him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, why all the demotions? I mean... That's a lot of demotions. I'm not sure I even came up with all of them. I came up with four or five. There are probably more. That's not exclu or exhaustive. I did the best I could. 
But why would one do this? Was he just bored? I mean, Jesus is in heaven and he gets tired. And he wants something to do. He wants a new experience. I don't think so. In fact, the Bible tells us that the reason Jesus took these series of demotions is one word, and it's love. Love is the motivation for taking demotions. You, you understand this, if, especially if you're a parent. How many people, if you're a parent, you get this. You find out that you're pregnant, and it is exciting. I remember the first time Miriam and I found out we were pregnant. Very exciting. But it, it requires a series of demotions. As a mother, you're demoted. You have you, and then you have you, right? You take a fashion demotion. You, you take um, a physical demotion. Uh, you, you take um, a, a lot of different kinds of demotions. It's a pretty big demotion to go from... To go from uh, you to you. And then the dads take a series of demotions because when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And we have that going on. And there's this sort of notion about around pregnancy that sometimes mama ain't nothing making her happy. And so we take a series of demotions and maybe we have to work a little harder to provide for our family now. And maybe we, we get invested and we, we do something with the, with the nursery or whatever. And we, we're all in. And then your baby is born. And what's the demotion then? It's called the demotion of sleep. And you once got sleep and now you don't. And then that stage is over and then you have little kids that are walking around and they do stuff and you invest in their lives. And you invest by being there at the piano recitals and dance recitals and soccer matches and soccer games. And in Michigan we used to go to soccer games when it was snowing. Because we don't have much sense. I saw a seat the other day, one of those portable seats, and it had a, it had a hood over it. Like it was awesome. Like, like you could go in, you could put a little heater in there, it'd be great. Anyway, we didn't have that. Uh, but you invest, and then they go to college, and there's a demotion. It's called poverty, and uh, uh, you're once again demoted. That's kind of how it works. This series of demotions because oftentimes that's what love requires. We go through this series of demotions. Here's why Jesus came. For God so loved the world so much, for God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting eternal life God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. The reason we go through demotions... Here, here's the deal. There's God, right? Let, let's just, let me illustrate. God's at the top. He's perfect. The, the Bible says, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And then there's a gap, right? There's a gap down to us. Because would, would we at least admit that none of us are perfect? Who would you say in the history of the world has done a pretty good job of getting fairly close to being perfect? Just some historical figures. Anybody? Bill Graham, good. Mother Teresa, your pastor, maybe. Uh, anybody? Yeah. But there's a gap, right? There's, there's God and a gap. 
I mean, Billy Graham, great. Mother Teresa, great. Maybe the Apostle Paul, great, right? But there's still a gap. It, if you have, a, you, you have a favorite basketball team and you want to have a perfect season, how many losses can you have in order to have a perfect season? None. That's right. So Duke's out. Uh, none. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Early Christmas. Uh, early Christmas yesterday. So, so there's a gap. God and the gap. And God knew there's only one person that could fill the gap. And so Jesus comes along and He fills the gap. And all of us who believe in Him get credit for Him filling the gap. That's how, that's how love works. We, Jesus took on demotions because of love. And, and, and if we want to have greater love, we're going to have to have a series of demotions. And you feel it with your kids. You've taken all these emotions, and sometimes you have to teach your kids things that are difficult, and you have to say things to them they don't like, and, and they don't like you. And you say it because just like Jesus had to say things to His children that they didn't always appreciate or like, you say it because you love them. You have to love them more than you love yourself. And this is what this verse is talking about. God, through Jesus, loved us, more than he loved himself. Some people are looking for friendships, and you know, friendships are costly. If you're gonna have a, if you're gonna have friends, you're, you're gonna, it's gonna cost. It's gonna, there's gonna be a series of demotions, and you're gonna have to invest your time. And I don't have any time. Well, you're not gonna have any friends. I mean, you can't just dial up friends. It, it there's a series of involvements that you have, you have to be involved in their lives. It's what friendship is. And you go to church and you, you want, this is kind of your church, but to be really connected, there's a series of demotions and, and you roll up your sleeves and you find a place to serve because you're going to be all in. And you, you find a, a small group to be a part of and, and you study the Bible together and you learn together. And then you give a little money and you pray for your church and there's this series of devotions and our demotions, and we we kind of wish that life worked differently than that, and we sort of wish that church worked differently than that. We wish friendships worked differently than that. The problem is, it they don't work differently than that. See, Jesus led by example. Love is costly, and it always involves demotions. There's always sacrifice involved in love. There's this huge church in Chicago. And they ask people, if you, have, if you ever had an increase in your spiritual life, if you've had a spiritual growth spurt where you've matured in God, what catalyzed, what caused that level of growth? It's a great question to ask. Hey, you, you found yourself sometime in your life to really grow spiritually. What caused it? The number one runaway answer, by the way, is like you know, 10 to 1. The number one answer was pain. Often it takes a series of downward steps to get our attention so that we can be enriched and we can grow. 
And sometimes we have a negative circumstance and we think to ourselves, oh my goodness, why is this happening to me? And it could just be that God is trying to get our attention because He's ready for us to grow. In Scripture it says, have the same mindset as Christ. I mean, Christ suffered some major demotions. Yet we don't find Him whining about it. We don't find Him complaining about it. All we find is somebody who had this inordinate amount of love who was willing to sacrifice for the people He loved even when they didn't appreciate it. Often when they didn't appreciate it. So let me issue a challenge to you today. Just a, just a little challenge. If you're going to take a series of demotions, let's, let's talk about three things we can do. Between now and Christmas, let's do these three things, or at least one of these three things. Just see what it feels like, okay? Serve someone who can't do anything for you. It's easy to serve somebody if you know they can pay you back. So it's not that. Serve somebody. Find somebody to serve that can't pay you back. It could be as simple as an older neighbor who needs the leaves raked, or you need to, you know, chop down a tree for them. I don't know. I mean, it could be anything. They could need their decorations put up. Whatever. Express love to someone who needs to hear from you. Maybe you've got a friendship that's kind of been on the back burner, you know, this last series that we were just in, there were about three or four guys I hadn't talked to in a long time. And I thought, you know what, I, I, I need to contact those guys. Because we were talking about, you know, if you only have one month to live, what do you, what do you care about? Well, relationships are important. And so um, I've been trying to develop those relationships. So maybe you need to do that too. Christmas time is a great time to express love to somebody you hadn't heard from in a while or you hadn't spoken to in a while, or you've not communicated with in a while, it's on you. Now, I know sometimes the, uh, the pushback is, well, I'm always the one. I'm always the one who makes the first move. I'm always the one. You've got, you got a couple options. Make the first move again, or get somebody else. Find somebody else. Maybe they're not responding because they don't want to be that friendly. That's okay. Find somebody else. I believe God wants us in relationships with people. Now listen, I'm an introvert. This, is not, this doesn't come naturally to me. I, I don't naturally gravitate toward relationships with people. But I do it because I know it's important to the people I'm friends with and to me and to God. Finally, give to someone who can't repay you. Just do it anonymously. They don't have to know about it. Find a way to give. Just, it doesn't have to be anything big. The Bible tells us, the teaching is just so clear on this. God loves a cheerful giver. So I'm not suggesting that you don't be cheerful about it. But be somebody's secret Santa. Write them a note and leave them something and say, you know, we love you or, I, you know, 
we love you, guess who? You know, something like that. You know, whatever it is. But, but bless somebody who can't bless you back. Jesus was amazing in the fact that He did all this for us because He loved us. And then He gives us an opportunity to love like He loved. And we can do it. We have these opportunity. We, we have the opportunity. We can. We just have to choose to. And we can choose to. I'm going to pray for us that we would we would consider the demotions that Jesus took, and we would consider what demotions might, God might be calling us to, and that we would have the same mind that Christ had. Let's go back to our verse. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Father, when we look at what Jesus did for us, how He came from heaven to earth, how He took on a mortal body like ours, how He served even when people, the people He served didn't appreciate His serving, when He taught, they didn't always appreciate His teaching, when they rejected Him. The demotion of going to the cross where in heaven He had ultimate praise and He went to the cross, which is the ultimate humiliation. And we're thankful for it, and we know it was because of your love, his love for us. In this season where we um, where we get really busy and, and we sometimes forget why we do what we do, help us to love more. And help us to be willing to serve and to sacrifice and to Self-demote if we have to. So that we can be as much like Christ as possible. Lord, I know that's what your ambition for us is, that we are here on this earth so we can become like Christ, as much like Christ as possible. And we thank you for the opportunities you provide for us to do that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.